you, I'll marry you. Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Ready PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Stay by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still real to me, damn it, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Tough Show, episode number 587 for May 13th, 2021. This is your WWE WrestleMania Backlash Preview and Predictions Edition of SRTU. I'm one half of the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co-host, the one and only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey Happy birthday, my friend. Well, thank you, kind sir. And, and I was thinking about it earlier. I'm like, I don't know if we've ever actually in, in recorded the show on my birthday actually before. So this might be a first, which is rare for 587 shows. So I'm a little, I'm a little excited and intrigued uh, as I wind down my birthday day into the evening. Yeah, now pre-show, pre-show, you were talking to me about how wild your birthday is right now. Currently, you're. Uh, you're recording the podcast from your bed, looking at yeah. a television with no sound, with your son. And um, this is basically what you envision once you hit this stage in your life, right? Yeah. You, you know, when you're younger, you think about how great it's going to be to get older and all those wonderful things. And then you get into your uh, early to mid-40s or your mid-early 40s, whatever. I don't know what, what this number actually lands on. Uh, and you realize that my life is basically I go to work, I come home, I get to hang out with my little man. Uh, and right now we are currently watching Wheel of Fortune, which is crazy because I remember watching Pat Sajak on TV uh, when I was a little bit older than Sammy. Like I remember like six, seven years old watching Pat Sajak and Vanna White, and yet they are still on TV this many years later. It's crazy. I interviewed Pat Sajak once, really cool guy, and, and I was a little bit starstruck actually back in my uh, my Connecticut radio days, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, for the listeners at home, do you? Uh, I know you never ask, you know, a lady uh, how old they're turning, but do you want to? Do you want to share that number? Um, so if you take the symbol of the horseman, okay. and put it up twice, okay, you know, and put them, you know, side by side, okay. So this is, are we nearing midlife crisis? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be dead by sixty, so I think I passed midlife crisis already. This is more like end of life crisis. I so think. 
you haven't bought a Harley yet. No, no. Although, it, like, uh, I was looking at a Harley Trike a couple years ago because my old roommate had one. I was like, that I could ride. It's got three wheels. That's way safer for me than two wheels. But, uh, no, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm pretty content to, uh, you know, strip down to my underwear and, and, and flop around with, with grown men in, in a, in a 12 or a 16 by 16 square. Uh, to the amusement of fans. So I think that's about the extent of my wildness. Um, speaking of which, you know, Wrestling Con 4 coming up in a couple days, and, and I'm the general manager and MC host of that entire show. So uh, that's 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 going to be my excitement for the week, I think, uh, unless the wife brings home Papa John's. Ooh, see, that, that, see this is what happens like when you reach a certain age. I, I always tell uh, people that I know that are younger, like I feel like for me – and correct me if I'm wrong here. So, like, when you're, like, that uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 age range, that is, like, a good time for birthdays. And then I would say, like, 21 to 25, it's still, like, reasonable to have a birthday. Like, go out to the bar, hang out with your friends, have a barbecue, whatever you want to do. I feel like after 25, you, like, check out. And you're like, okay, no more birthdays until some of the milestones, like 30. Like, I went to have my 30th birthday a couple of years ago. I turned 35 in a couple of months. I don't know if that would mean some sort of like milestone birthday every fives, maybe just leave it on the zeros. But I felt like 25 was like the one where uh, the last good young birthday, like where you have a bunch of shenanigans and have a good old time. It, it, it's like that's the uh, end all be all, Dr. Trey. Yeah, 25 was that cumulative one where it's like, oh, this, I'm going to have fun. Because then about halfway through the day, you, it hits you that you're closer to 30 than you are 20. Um, and then the same thing kind of happens like when you hit, you know, like you're, like you said, like the, the big 10, you know, 30, 40, you know, going towards 50. Like those ones are milestone birthdays. For me, I think I got lucky in the sense that like my 30, like I think on my 31st birthday was right after Carmen was born. So I never had that. Oh, I'm getting old because I had the little one. And then, you know, here I am. I had Sammy not too long after my 40th. So although my body feels older, having, you know, little man running around the house, jumping all over me, climbing all over stuff, it still allows me to feel young. But um, the birthday parties definitely have gone away. Although we did kind of have one this past weekend and also filmed wrestling promos while we were doing it. So I guess... And that's that's kind of how my life is. It's it's either family, work, or being involved in, in Rocket City. Wait, you filmed your own wrestling promos? No. Well, we have so so my old roommate, the Boxcar Brawler. Uh, Are you kayfabing right now? Because is this, isn't he involved in a match? Yes, with... he is with my wife. <laughs> like they're going to be in an intergender match against each other. They were both here at my house this past weekend celebrating kayfabe with our. With our cameraman, well, I had to keep them separate. One had to stay on one side of the house. I had to make trips. Back Absolutely, back yeah. you know. And then uh, myself and our cameraman Lauren, uh, or uh, yeah, our cameraman Lauren. You know, we were the mediators, but Lauren was here, brought his camera, and so we filmed. We filmed a couple of uh, promos and vignettes for them leading into their match at Wrestling Con. And so that's like, that was my highlight of the week. I'm like, okay, I don't have a match. I just going to be the host. So I'll just hang out here and watch you guys have fun. And, uh, you know, 
come up with some crazy stuff. So we had a couple little crazy promos that came out this past week that were really kind of clever and witty. And uh, just getting ready for the, the big show this Saturday. Did you ever think at 44 years old that you would be involved with wrestling like you are now, where you're like the host and the general manager of a show this upcoming weekend, a major show for you guys, Rocket City? Yeah, I don't know if I, I, I guess, dreamed it. Like, I always kind of wanted to be involved in wrestling. We talked about it before the show. Like, I didn't break into the business until I was 37, you know, so. And that was just on a whim, though. Weren't you, like, at a bar? Yeah, I knew a girl that worked at a bar that hosted a wrestling show on Sundays because the bar was basically closed. Um, and she was like, hey, I know you do that podcast. Do you want to meet the owner of this wrestling show and see if y'all can work something out? And I was like, sure, why not? You know, and it's just kind of it's kind of gone from there. But, you know, in, in my 20s, like I had always hoped to be involved in wrestling and then but never knew how to get involved. And then, you know, on this fluke, I get involved and here it is seven years later and I get to be the the host and GM of one of the biggest shows in the South. And, you know, with like, heck we got guys from AEW coming in, impact wrestling coming in, ring of honor, OVW, um, former, you know, gang coming in. Like I get to spend time and, and, and host a show and run a show involving all these guys. It is pretty crazy to be even on a, on a double a, you know, wrestling level. It, it's still a pretty cool feeling to, to know that, you know, all this stuff's going to, you know, pass on to my kids. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, like, like, you know, dad was a really hard worker and he was pretty cool with this wrestling thing. So that's, that's kind of like my legacy I'm building on right now. Gangrel, who recently got engaged at Yankee Stadium this past weekend. Yeah. I saw that online. Uh, I didn't Were know the, the, what's that? Were you there? I was not. I, I was not. I, I wish I was. Uh, I did not know a vampire could be f- a fan of the Yankees, but uh, more power to him. And he was out in the daylight, more power to Gangrel. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, man, right? Every uh, year go- that goes by, this is now two old guys. It went from like a young, youthful podcast, wrestling podcast, <laughs> to two old guys now talking about wrestling. We're like the dudes uh, from the Muppets that are up in the balcony now telling people to get off their lawn and how they stink and everything like that. But that's who we are. Uh, I always, I always ask you this and for longtime listeners of the show, you'll get what I'm saying for new people. You'll have no idea. But when you first started out your, your independent wrestling career, Dr. Trey, you had uh, like this dueling host that would, would do it with you. What was that? First off, what was that promotion called? I forget. So that was uh, NGW Next NG- Generation Wrestling. I, I remember. Okay. And then yeah. the guy who was the dueling host with you that dressed up as Sting, um, is he still <laughs> doing it? Yeah. So he still he still does some shows. Uh, the, the, his, the show that he was working with pretty regularly shut down during the pandemic, and they haven't opened back up yet. Uh, so he still does, like, benefit shows, like, we, 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 you know, in the South, if, you know, if, if somebody's sick or somebody's injured, you know, we're going to run a benefit show. That's just what we do. Um, so a lot of the shows that those get run, he get he gets brought in for those because he's a really great hype man and he brings a lot of energy. So yeah, he still gets uh, brought into all those. Yeah. I always love the story where he told me that he, uh, he showed up as Sting and it, like, I, I felt like he, he caught you off guard. Like he didn't tell you he's going to be dressed up as Sting or something. I just was one of my favorite stories you've ever told on this podcast was that he well, just dressed up as Sting. Yeah, well, well, the show, every year on Halloween, they would do a battle royal, and it would basically be, you know, come dressed up as, you know, a famous wrestler, like a WWE guy or something like that. But in my head, I'm like, okay, well, we're the announcers. 
So we should probably dress up as, you know, our favorite announcers. So I actually just threw on a, a black suit and orange shirt and kind of did, you know, a little bit of a look, a Taz look. Because at the time he was the announcer for SmackDown. And I kept walking in the building and this guy, this guy comes up a little bit portly and full sting regalia. And I'm like, and crow, like not, not even like not service thing, but sh- very short hair. It just kind of threw me off. And I was looking, I'm like, Wait, that's the other announcer. Like, <laughs> like you're going to be taking away from the action in the ring because it's going to look like there's Chubby Sting up on the stage doing the ring announcing. It was just, it was kind of taken back. And then we also did live play by play during the matches. So like the crowd's focusing on us because we're calling the matches live to them and bickering because he's the baby face and I'm the heel. And I'm like, I'm sitting here arguing with with, with this chubby 22 year old dressed up as Sting over an independent wrestling show in a bar where guys can be thrown into a legit pool table. Uh, what has my life quickly become? Yeah. It's just, uh, one of the most classic stories you've ever told here on the podcast is you're dueling with sting. Did he come down to the song, a man called sting or the crow theme? No, I think, oh man, I'm trying to remember. I don't think we actually had interest. Music. I think the, we didn't get entrance music until we actually had, our first match against each other. And then we finally had entrance music. So Cause didn't you go with like ball with the ball or something? No, no, I actually had a song called bad man by a, a band called Boba, Boba Fett. Or that's no, that's uh, right. Boba. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think, I think he actually did come out to the crow theme for that match though. Okay. Hey, each, each of their own. I guess I would come down to Steve Austin's theme song if I had a chance to, Pick an old wrestler's theme song as well. So happy birthday, Dr. Trey Franklin, the big four, four horsemen. Um, great to uh, to celebrate with you. Take your time away from your birthday to do a podcast with us, to talk professional wrestling for the next uh, you know hour or so. Uh, speaking of things that are finally coming to fruition, Dr. Trey, things that we've been waiting for for a long time, uh, this Sunday at WWE WrestleMania Backlash, Cesaro will finally get a universal championship shot. He'll be taking on Roman Reigns. We'll preview and predict the uh, match here later on. But theoretically speaking, talking about it as we head into Friday night SmackDown tomorrow night, and then obviously the pay-per-view on Sunday, can Cesaro take down Roman Reigns? What are your thoughts on this as he gets his first world championship title shot in WWE? Well, I mean, can he? Yeah. Are the odds in his favor? Probably not, but the way they're booking this whole thing with um, the returning Jimmy Uso and him not getting along with Roman and his brother does kind of create that aspect of, hey, they could flip this on its ear and really push Cesaro to the moon being the guy that finally knocks Roman from his purse. So it just kind of depends. Like Cesaro's one of those guys that's had so many start and stops in his WWE career. Now he's getting that first shot at the Universal Championship. Is this one of those moments where they're like, okay, we're going to buy into you. We're going to give you a shot. Or is this just the, you know, Roman challenger of the month club? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting matchup here because it could be the Roman challenger of the month club. But I also feel like that this could be, this could be someone that takes him down, right? Like, I feel like it would be a different story, Dr. Trey, if the crowd was there. Does does that make sense? Like, I think if the WWE universe was in the stands, maybe we have 
uh, a result that leans more towards Cesaro than it would Roman Reigns right now. Yeah, I mean, there is that aspect to it, but I still think Cesaro is one of those more internet. I don't say he's an internet darling, but I think he's got a much more hardcore fan base maybe than your prototypical baby face. Like, I think his fans are the people that, like, love wrestling, study wrestling, and not so much the casual fan. Because you got a lot of those, we run you know, the Southern guys, like, oh, man, well, he don't speak good English. Well, I mean, obviously, because he's not from here. But, yeah, he speaks, like, nine other languages. He's fine. But you get some of those people that just don't relate to a Cesaro because of his background. But when you look at his totality of work and everything he's overcome and struggled to get to this point, he very much is a blue-collar kind of worker. He just outworks and out-wrestles everybody. So I think if the crowd was there, you're probably right. Maybe that they could spin it that way to get the more blue-collar effect to it. But uh, right now, I'm, I'm just so torn as to where WWE goes because physically, he's a matchup nightmare for a guy like Roman Reigns because he can do everything. Um so it makes sense that if they're, they're going to have somebody beat Roman, it'd be a guy who can physically almost top him at everything he can do. Is Cesaro world championship material? Um, would I have him as a world champion? Maybe not as a baby face. I think I like Cesaro better kind of in that Rick Rude role where he's got a mouthpiece with him. Like, I think he's a, just a dominant physical specimen, but there are times that his promos aren't great, but there are, if he's into his promo, he's passionate. He can totally carry a company. He, you know, the fact that he can speak nine languages makes him a perfect guy to be on top of the company because he can put him anywhere and he can speak their native tongue. So, um, I would say I would lean probably no, but I would have a problem with somebody jumping that way. Do you think it would be different if he was on, let's say the raw brand? Uh, no, because, you know, the crazy thing is, I, even though SmackDown is Fox and is kind of like the, the A show in a lot of ways, it still feels like the wrestler show. So I think he would have a better shot on on SmackDown than he does on Raw, just because I think Raw still ends up being the more hokey-ish, you know, skit-type show than SmackDown. See, I think this match is more of a test for Cesaro. Uh, I think this is seeing if he can hang with the big boys at the main event level. I, I've always believed that he could, but when you give someone the ball after like a decade, it feels like of fans being like, push this guy, push this guy, push this guy. Like whenever the phrase, the brass ring was brought up, it was specifically talking about Cesaro. I remember a period of time coming out of WrestleMania 30. We're sitting here, we're looking towards SummerSlam and the reports at the time that Cesaro was going to be taking on John Cena. That never happened because Coming out of WrestleMania 30, he wins the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. He gets paired up with uh, Paul Heyman. He's on this, you know, huge momentum for the next couple of months, and then it just gets completely derailed. He falls down the ladder, gets stuck in tag teams with Tyson Kidd, and does a fantastic job, mind you, with Sheamus as the bar. Shinsuke Nakamura uh, is a, a side piece to uh, Sami Zayn and what he's doing. And it's like, ah, maybe this is it. Maybe he's a mid-card, maybe he's an upper mid-card guy, a best intercontinental United States champion. And it seems like with his deal expiring and reportedly getting a new one, now they're testing the waters to see, well, is this guy a main event player? Fans have been saying it forever. Wrestlers have been saying it forever. Like, the, the, he's the number one guy, Dr. Trey, that you hear from other wrestlers that they're like, hey, you know, who should be at the top of the card that's not currently at the top of the card? And nearly everybody in these interviews say Cesaro. So I think this is more of a test than to be like, hey, this is potentially the next top guy. I think WWE, from my vantage point, 
and years of watching it as a fan. I just feel like that this is a test. Let's see how he does in this one-month feud with Roman Reigns. And if he has a very strong match, which I think he does, I think that this match with Roman Reigns on Sunday could be Roman Reigns' best match in 2021. And he's had a lot of good matches with a lot of good wrestlers so far. Uh, I think this is a test to see if he can hang with the big boys and be world championship material down the line. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And plus, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the draft should be coming up in a couple months. It's usually like late summer. Um, so if that's the case, you put him with Roman, he can hang with Roman, but you don't want him to take the belt from Roman. You know, a Lashley-Cesaro feud on the Raw brand actually would be pretty good as well. So physically, once again, they match up great. Um and that could be a person that could th- throw on last. I mean, this is really an awkward time in WWE because you have two dominant heel heavyweight champions. And I don't think we've had a run like this in a very, very long time where just the heels look so dominant that nobody can touch them right now. WWE doesn't get a lot of credit for creating new stars. I think they've done a great job with Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre uh, over the past year, Braun Strowman to a degree as well of like making these people main event level players. And uh, they necessarily don't deserve – they don't get a lot of credit for it. So we'll have to see if uh, if WWE is able to pull the trigger on one Cesaro this Sunday. WrestleMania Backlash will preview that match here later on the podcast. Um, this past – a week ago, this past Thursday, was the return of one of my favorite shows. Um, the Vice TV's Dark Side of the Ring, it opened up with Brian Pillman, and it was a fantastic two-hour documentary, part one, part two. Highly recommend people checking it out. Um, tonight, as we record the podcast, there's going to be another episode of Dark Side of the Ring. This one is called The Ultraviolence of Nick Gage, uh, the former CZW wrestler who uh, was in prison for six years for an armed robbery. So that'll be on tonight, Thursday night. Uh, I got that up on the DVR. Um, and then lately in the WWE realm, you've had the A&E WWE biography. They had the one with Booker T this past week, the one with Macho Man Randy Savage, which... Uh, has been highly criticized. Roddy Piper uh, was one. And then I think I'm missing another one that aired uh, for some reason. And then there's another show called WWE's Most Wanted Treasures, where AJ Francis, who's working as top dollar right now in NXT, goes out to uh, retrieve WWE uh, memorabilia, ring use memorabilia for their archives for what I would presume to be an eventual physical Hall of Fame. All of this is leading to the question, Dr. Trey, that made me think, what is your favorite non-in-ring wrestling show right now? There's a lot of good non-in-ring wrestling shows right now from Dark Side of the Ring, a WWE biography. You've got WWE's Most Wanted Treasures. Uh, you've got anything basically on the network that is not in-ring that is fantastic, whether it be 24, Untold, uh, Day Of, Chronicle. There's a lot of good in-rings, non-in-ring wrestling content that's out there right now, uh, including even Ms. and Mrs., which is like this random uh, show like that I like to watch from time to time. And, and and I'm not a total Divas fan. I know Dr. Trey is, but you have a lot of non-in-ring wrestling content out there, Dr. Trey. So with that said, which is your favorite right now? Which one stands out to you that you're like, when you see it, non-in-ring stuff, you kind of get a little bit excited to see what uh, will be taking place. Uh, so, when you sit down and watch your DVR with your family. So uh, I'm a little biased. The uh, la- the episode of, um, I forgot what you said, Damon. I, I don't really know the name of the show, but the one where they're actually hunting out the old treasures. Most Wanted Treasures. 
Most Wanted Treasures. Okay, so that one, the episode with Jerry Lawler, Amy Kaufman, uh, had one of my good friends in the show, Dave Milliken, the guy who creates a lot of the title belts, and he had the uh, the pair of Jerry Lawler boots uh, that he sold to Top Dollar, AJ Daniels. Uh, so I'm a little biased. That was that was a great episode because I, I love Dave. He's he's been a great asset to me through my independent wrestling career. Uh, but in all honesty, I, I do love Miz and Missing. Like, I just think it's a really fun, silly show. Um, and it, it, it's one of those ones where it's like you watch it, you go, man, I, you really end up liking The Miz. And then you watch him on Raw or SmackDown. You're like, man, he's, such a, he's so good at being a jackass on, on wrestling, but he's just kind of a silly, bumbling, kind of goofy dad in real life. It's I, I really enjoy it. It makes me and my wife laugh every time we watch it. Um, and then I, I do love also the Dark Side of the Ring stuff because – it kind of gives me a glimpse behind the scenes a lot of times into stuff that was happening during my childhood, whether it's, you know, the Pillman stuff or, you know, the episode they did last year on the Von Erichs or the Bruiser Brody stuff, like all that stuff is stuff that I was watching as a kid, not knowing what was going on in real life. Gino Hernandez one was phenomenal. Um, but those were all guys I grew up watching, not knowing what was really going in on behind the scenes because, you know, that kayfabe wall had not, that, that kayfabe veil had not been pierced uh, like it is now. Like, you you watch stuff on the guys now, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was on the internet, or, I, you know, that's already been out there, that's not a big deal. But watching that stuff on Vice from the old guys, or the old, you know, the older stories that, that was never really out there for the public consumption, you know, really kind of takes you back into those days. Yeah, I love Vice TV's Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I think to me, when you alluded to it and, and was talking about it as well, Dr. Trey, like the cool thing about professional wrestling is there's still that um, stuff behind the curtain, like the, uh, you know, the illusion of what's going on in professional wrestling, even though we all know what's going on, right? Like when you watch a magic show, you know, someone's really not levitating. You're just more intrigued to see like, how the hell do they do that? And for whatever reason with professional wrestling, there is this like, fourth dimension at times and that's what dark side of the ring sometimes opens up uh whether it be the brian pillman loose cannon stuff or the most like insane stories like um gino hernandez dino bravo uh like it's just like it's some wild things that have happened in professional wrestling over the years and uh they just do a good job producing those shows and i'm i'm really looking forward to the season i like most wanted treasures i'm a big fan of memorabilia uh, not from the wrestling vein but i think it's really cool when they find some of these things like the uh the one they had with booker t recently he gives one of the guys uh the end his nwo trunks because he was in nwo for like a week so that was like a very rare piece of memorabilia so i think that's pretty cool um, and I'm with you. I'm a I'm a big fan of Ms. and Mrs. Uh, it's it's a guilty pleasure. I gotta admit, it's a really good show. My girlfriend and I watch every season, and uh, I'll be watching the season finale this upcoming Monday after Raw. So uh, those are some of my favorite non in ring wrestling shows. Doctor Trey gave some of his as well. Uh, feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast with your thoughts. As it uh, it appears right now that there's a lot of non in ring wrestling content out there more than ever before. Uh, on top of the already lots of in-ring wrestling content that you could watch each and every week. Um, some big news this week, Dr. Trey. Uh, earlier today here in the United States, 
those who are fully vaccinated, it was announced by the CDC, uh, no longer need to have uh, a mask on and, and social distancing, which is a huge, huge, huge deal here in the United States since that has been uh, going on for the past year. And we're seeing somewhat of a trickle-down effect of this in professional wrestling as well, as it was most recently announced uh, earlier this week before the big announcement from the CDC that AEW is announcing their return to touring. They mentioned it on Dynamite as well. Uh, They sent a a press release uh, earlier this week that said the following, after safely hosting 27 live ticketed events throughout the past nine months at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, AW is bringing the excitement of its flagship show, AW Dynamite, to Miami, Austin, and Dallas this summer. AW will become the first major wrestling promotion to safely return to a traveling schedule since March 2020. The dates for the live shows in Miami, Austin, Dallas are Wednesday, July 7th, Wednesday, July 14th, and Wednesday, July 21st, um, which was a big deal. And then everybody was wondering, well, WWE cannot be too far behind. And according to reports this evening, heading into the podcast, WWE is reportedly scheduled to hold ticketed live events in July as well, as it has been reported by the Matt Men podcast, uh, who recently broke the story on WWE NXT moving to Tuesday nights, that WWE has main roster live events planned for July 16th through the 19th. No other details were provided, but it looks like SmackDown may be the first main roster WWE TV show to return with fans since July 16th is on a Friday. This has not been confirmed, but Saturday and Sunday could be non-televised live events, while the Monday, July 19th date could be a live Raw with fans in attendance. So, Dr. Trey, we've been talking about this uh, here and there over the past couple of months. It it appears that uh, normalcy is on its way back here, at least in the United States right now, coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is an encouraging sign as AEW and WWE look to be – well, AEW announced that they are returning to touring – and WWE may not be too far behind. Your thoughts here and the timing of it, and uh, does it make sense for AW and WWE to start bringing fans back into the arena? I mean, it, it's a big step. I mean, this is what we've all been waiting for, is the return of the live crowds, and we got a little bit of a glimpse of it at WrestleMania this year. Uh, you know, the CDC coming out saying if you're vaccinated, you, you can roam around the country free free to do what you want. Uh, if you're not vaccinated, keep your mask on. I mean, it, it's this is uh, one of those you know, lights at the end of the tunnel coming out of this pandemic era of wrestling. So, you know, I mean, certain areas of the country, I mean, we are already kind of seeing, you know, floors pretty much wide open. Um, you know, Texas for the most part is wide open. I mean, the Rangers have been running a hundred percent capacity at the ballpark. Georgia's going that way. So, I mean, this is, this is the trend. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, there was still a little bit of a risk, but if, if, you know, the, the thought process behind the vaccinations and herd immunity come into play, then then we should be fairly safe. But at the same time, um, you know, Jeff's beloved New York Yankees are at a 75% vaccination rate, and there's eight people in their clubhouse that's down with COVID right now. So yeah. there's always going to be at risk right now. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy time. Yeah, it's uh, actually 85% and above they yeah. have. So uh, those, those folks were vaccinated and seven of the eight of them were asymptomatic. One was symptomatic and has, has since been now uh, no symptoms. Uh, I guess the belief behind this is that kind of like the flu, where if you get the flu vaccine, um, you may have the flu, but you don't get any symptoms. You you are asymptomatic. And that seems to be the same thing here, potentially with COVID by getting the vaccine, that uh, if you get tested as frequently like ball players do, you may show up as positive. So it was a weird thing. It was a breakthrough in the vaccines because the percentage of actually showing up as symptomatic and asymptomatic 
according to the CDC, out of like 95 million people is 0.006%. So uh, some really bad luck that eight people on the New York Yankees, my beloved New York Yankees, showing up with the vaccine, but uh, that they were vaccinated and then are showing up with COVID. But that's the risk, right? Like that's the everyday risk right now, Dr. Train. I think we are reaching a point not to get political in any way, but I do think we're reaching a point where uh, depending on where you are on the vaccination scale, fully vaccinated, vaccinated somewhat, don't want to get vaccinated, on the fence about vaccination, you know what the risks are. And I think it's time to start slowly getting people back to normal life right now based on the data and the science that we're seeing here in the United States at least. Yeah, and and I'm the same way. Like in, in, in most of my area, you know, if you're over the age of 55, everybody's kind of ran out got vaccinated. But there's a large percentage of our population here in my area where those people who are under 30, you know, under 30, under 40 are not getting vaccinated because they don't feel the need to do it. Um, and I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Like if you're over a certain age, yeah, it's it's probably a great idea and a life saving idea to get vaccination. But if you're younger and healthier and you feel, hey, I, I, I'm good, you know, then you can take that risk. But. I mean, really, unless unless you're one of those people that believe in conspiracy theories that the COVID vaccinations are actually government chips that can track you with satellites and GPS and they know your every move. Uh, But if you're one of those people, this is probably the wrong podcast for you. The Alex Jones podcast is two doors down to the left. That is true. That is true. If you want to get that government chip and believe in conspiracy theories, this is not that type of podcast. So uh, speaking of WWE and AEW, Dr. Trey, in in case you were wondering, and we talked about on last week's show, the blood and guts match, uh, reportedly WWE officials, quote, hated the inaugural blood and guts match on last week's AEW Dynamite, according to a report on PW Insider. The report noted that one person, WWE management, told Dave uh, Schreier that the blood and guts match, quote, set the business back 30 years. However, several active WWE superstars that Schreier spoke to Love the match since, quote, they would love to do something like that themselves. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure why WWE management reportedly said that that set the business back 30 years. There's plenty of things that WWE has done where I'm like, wow, this is really setting the business back. I'm not the biggest fan of the Blood and Guts match. I, I, I was very excited for it. I don't think it lived up to said hype. However, I don't think I would have said I hated the match. Your thoughts here on WWE's viewpoint, reportedly, on AW's Blood and Guts match. This comes off very generational. We talked about earlier in the show how you and I have transitioned from being the young, cool, hip podcast to now being the middle-aged podcast. Um, and I think that's the kind of response when it comes to watching this match. Like, you know, fans that are older than us probably hated it. WWE looked probably, you know, up, higher ups looked at it and saw all the blood and the risks and everything else and probably thought it was unnecessary. Uh, and the younger guys were probably like, man, they would never let me do this in WWE. So I would love to be, I would love to do a match like that. Uh, but I'm like, you, I kind of fall, I fell in the middle. I'm like, there were parts of it that I thought were great. I thought there were parts of it that were unnecessary and kind of dumb. And, you know, the finish was bad. So I kind of fall in the middle of the whole thing. So, you know, I, I get the higher up response because, I mean, we really haven't seen anybody bleed like those guys did in WWE in quite a long time. Um, we also don't see guys taking those kind of, I'd say risk, but falling into a crash pad. I don't know if that's really a risk or not. Um, but, you know, just, you know, pulling up the mat, doing all that stuff, you know, that might not be their, their cup of tea anymore. And that's probably why they the higher ups hated it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 
I didn't think it was the greatest of match. And I know Jericho addressed the whole fall thing on uh, on his podcast, Talk is Jericho. And I thought he did a, a pretty good job. It's like, hey, you know, <laughs> it's a really dangerous stunt that I was doing here. And, of course, there was some sort of protection. And it's the illusion. Could they have done a better job of, of covering up? Sure. But, uh, you know, get your head out of the gutter here, which I kind of understand. I just would have... I would have liked uh, better camera angles, which I've heard a couple of fan, uh, fans online also mentioned as well by AEW. And I want my 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 disbelief suspended at times and not be like ran through the coals by clearly something that's going on. But it it did not live up to the hype, Doctor Trey. But I would not say I hated blood and guts. Like I thought it was a good match. And I think it's something that they could build off of, and I think it's something that helped move forward the Pinnacle Inner Circle. Feud in storyline, especially at in Double or Nothing. And I think it helped elevate MJF's game up a little bit more and also helped shine other stars like Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears in it. So would I say it was an overall success? No. But I would say it was more of an overall success than a complete failure. Yeah, I mean, it was still better than Elimination Chamber with the ECW, December, December, or with all the weapons. That was god-awful. That's at the business back 30 years, if that's the case. Um the Jericho Moxley Asylum match, I still don't think was very good. So that that's at the business back. I mean, it's all perspective. There, and there's a lot of things that he's done gimmick wise that wasn't great. Um, and this was AEW's first chance. And of course, you learn and you tweak it. I mean, it's the first time they've done it, and it's the first time that they filmed it. So I'm sure the next time they do it, it'll be shot completely different and be angled differently. Um, and they'll learn from their mistakes and move forward. Here's something we always forget about AEW. They're a company that is less than two years old. Yeah, I mean, it was still it was still better than uh, Super Showdown. Oh my God! Jeez, uh, <laughs> Doctor Trey, please! How dare you? How dare you? Super <laughs> Showdown. That is one of that is for those who were wondering why the reaction and the uh, the the nod there. I think that is the lowest rated show we've ever covered here on the podcast, Doctor Trey. Right? Yeah, I. I there, I mean, that's it's still this is going to be the punchline for a lot of our gags for the next like you know five years to do this show. Yeah, one of the worst shows we've ever covered here. Uh, Super Showdown, February twenty twenty, when Bill Goldberg defeated the Fiend Bray Wyatt to win the Universal Championship. Uh, speaking of pay per views, Doctor Trey, this Sunday on Peacock Television in the United States or the WWE Network everywhere else, or even on pay per view for those who still will shell out fifty nine bucks. WrestleMania Backlash comes to us this Sunday from the Thunderdome uh, over in Tampa, Florida. Dr. Trey, let's look at the first match here. Damian Priest taking on The Miz. He picked the stipulation, which is a lumberjack match. I've got Damian Priest taking the victory here. Who do you like in this one to win at WrestleMania Backlash? Okay, so first of all, I'm 44 years old, so I'm grumpy as hell. Uh, I am not saying WrestleMania in front of Backlash. I hate it. I agree. I'm with you, bud. (laughs) and you watch every promo they do, and it looks so forced. I mean, I feel—I don't know about you, but when I watched Braun Strowman talk about it, it felt so forced that he had to say the WrestleMania in front of it. I felt bad for the guy. Uh, but Priest and Miz in a lumberjack match. This will set the business back 30 years. No, just kidding. Um, I'm, I, I'm with you. I think I'll take Damian Priest as well. Um, although chicanery with some outside interference wouldn't be surprise me, but I think Priest is uh, getting ready to ascend to the next level up. Uh, so I'll take Priest getting the win because Miz is the super soldier of WWE making everybody look good. Yeah, he is. It's it's amazing this guy held the championship, the WWE championship, just a couple uh, um, six weeks ago. 
Next match here for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. You have the Dirty Dogs, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, defending against Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Dr. Trey, I'm going to go with the Mysterios in this one to be the first ever father-son pairing to win the Tag Team Championship. What say you? Who's going to be the SmackDown Tag Team Champions coming out of WrestleMania Backlash? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Mysterios also, and then hope for a Mysterio-Uso match where you have father-son against twin brothers. So oh. I'll go with the Mysterios as well. Uh, I, I I would love that. Usos? <laughs> you know, I'm a big Uso fan, man. Yeah. So if Usos yeah. were back as a tag team after Jimmy returned, and there's that weird stuff with him and Jay, that SmackDown tag team vision is going to be stacked. Which is which is sad because the Raw one is so it's, not stacked. It's not. Right it's not stacked. I mean, they're trying. <laughs> RK Bro, New yeah. Day, Jackson Riker and Elias, and of course, of course, Omos and AJ Styles. They're trying, but it's nowhere near yeah. SmackDown. Uh, next match here is a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley defends against Asuka and Charlotte Flair. I've been really digging the Charlotte Flair heel since she's returned. Uh, however, I'm going to go with Rhea Ripley retaining the Raw Women's Championship on Sunday. Typically, I think I would go with Charlotte Flair on this one, but I can't see them taking the title off Rhea Ripley this quickly. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and then, unfortunately, this kind of makes it look like that Asuka might be taking the L. Uh, which is kind of sucks because she, I mean, she was one of the, one of the things that kind of held WWE together during the pandemic. Um, by the way, uh, I know Jeff's a huge fan of Charlotte Flair and how attractive she is. I had a moment the other day where she came out. And I'm like, all right, now I see it now. Now that, yeah, she looks way better now. So, uh, but that being said, I'm taking Rhea because like you, you put the belt on at WrestleMania to take it back off at, you know, something, something backlash. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, so I'll take Rhea to retain as well. Welcome to the club, Dr. Trey. Next match here for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defends against Bayley. Uh, I, I love both these women here, fantastic wrestlers. I think this may be the easiest match to call for on the entire card because, again, similar thought process here. You don't put the title on a big moment at WrestleMania on a new star just for them to lose it the month later. So I'm going to go with Bianca Belair retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, but it just reminds me of how much I love Bailey and Bailey's character, like this whole feud. And then, you know, we still got Sasha returning somewhere around the corner here. So I will take Bianca retaining as well. Uh, next match here, triple threat match for the WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley defends against Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman. Tough match to call because I actually don't want the title off Bobby Lashley. But in a triple threat match rules, I feel like somebody is going to lose. And the other triple threat match, I have the current champion retaining. So I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre winning the WWE Championship again at WrestleMania Backlash. Ooh, yeah, this might be the this might be the one we disagree on because I'm I'm kind of torn here because I'm I'm with you like I don't want to see the belt come off Lashley, but you know it does make sense. There's two triple threat matches. It makes sense to take the belt off of them. But then the flip side is they have hyped up so much how Lashley lost the U.S. title by not getting pinned to have them do it again. That said. I'm going to take Bobby retaining. I just think it makes the most sense going forward. So I'll take Bobby getting the belt or keeping the belt. And then finally, for the WWE Universal Championship, we opened up the show by talking about this match. Roman Reigns defends against Cesaro. My heart wants to pick Cesaro, but my head tells me to pick Roman Reigns when it's these types of instances, Dr. Trey. It goes back to my earlier point. I do feel like this is a test for Cesaro in this spot. Therefore, I'm going to take Roman Reigns retaining the Universal Championship, but I think Cesaro puts on a hell of a show and uh, could potentially be a match of the year candidate at some point this year. That's how high of an expectation I have. I'm taking Roman Reigns over Cesaro. 
Yeah, I, I'm taking Roman as well. I, I think this is the the coming together of the Usos. You know, they kind of cost uh, Roman the, the the match with Seth and, and Cesaro. Uh, Jimmy comes to his senses. Then you get the entire bloodline together. Uh, Roman retains, but Cesaro puts on a hell of a show and comes out looking stronger in defeat uh, than maybe any other match he's recently had. So there you go. Both of us take Roman Reigns uh, to retain the WWE Universal Championship. Uh, and we will be recapping and reviewing WrestleMania Backlash on next week's podcast for May the 20th. Um, and uh, feel free to join us on Twitter during the show as well, at SRTU Podcast, at SRTU Jeff, or at the Dr. Trey. Uh, and uh, follow along as we watch the show live with all of you. Uh, with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebowershow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling as the show records. We are two days away from Wrestling Con 4, uh, featuring such stars as Sin Bodie, Gangrel, uh, Larry D from Impact Wrestling, Spencer Slade, who's been wrestling on AEW Dark, uh, the, the Tate Twins, formerly known as The Boys from Ring of Honor. Just a laundry list of, of people. Mike Jackson, who you saw in Impact Wrestling, wrestling Johnny Slinger at 70 years old, will be in action. It's a crazy card. Plus, all the cards of Rocket City Championship Wrestling. My wife makes her in-ring debut in an intergender tag match. It's all over the place. Looking forward to it. So if you're in the Huntsville area, come check it out. If not, you'll be able to check out the video and also the pictures uh, coming up here in a couple weeks after uh, wrestling comes over. Yeah, we'll have to post those up to the uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash the So Real Show. So thank you for making this part of your week. Enjoy WrestleMania Backlash this upcoming Sunday. Once again, we'll recap review it on next week's podcast. And more importantly, as we close out the show, once again, a very, very, very happy birthday to our very own Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, enjoy your birthday, my friend. Happy birthday to you, pal. Thank you very much. And as, as we were wrapping up the show, my wife walked in with the cake and the brownie and still she's making meatloaf, which is my favorite. So uh, thank you to my beautiful wife and, and the ever, ever present Samuel, Mike, Samuel Franklin playing along here in the room with us when we go to the show. Just shows you what family life's all about when you get to middle age and death knocking on your door. There you go, folks. Happy birthday to our very own Dr. Trey once again. And until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. This is the Snow Rizzo Show. They're taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is gonna be awesome.
Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock.